Welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Another good one. <laughs> They're all good, man. They're all good. All right, it's Wood Talk number 426 for February 12th, 2018. On today's show, we're talking about painting furniture, our favorite hand tools, the best tool for rabbiting, an alternative to latex paint, and the best first hand plane. So this is our show where we jump right into it. (laughs) What's that? Hand tools and paint. That kind of would have summed it up a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty much what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Okay. If we're being honest. Uh, Hit it, Mark. Yeah. So we uh, jump right into the good stuff. Uh, Let's get to the first email from Billy. Billy Newton. That's uh, a, remember him? He's the uh, off brother. He's the off uh, Broadway or off, uh, off strip entertainer in Vegas. Billy Newton. (laughs) That's right. So he says, gentlemen, bit of a kickback and a question first. Everyone knows that the off the Vegas strip stuff is where the trendy shows are. It's like off Broadway, just a little bit seedier. (laughs) But my, (laughs) for my question, I've been commissioned by my six year old daughter to build a nightstand. This picky client has demanded that it be painted teal. I hate painting Mm. wood because I suck at it. I never seem, uh, or it never seems uniform and smooth, regardless of the quality of the paint that I buy. I have some other household projects coming up like new doors and trim. I'm trying to decide if I should purchase a paint sprayer to handle these projects or dive into the world of tinted cat lacquer. Uh, I have no spraying experience. I have a large compressor so I can buy a conversion gun. If I choose the latter route, appreciate the help. All right. So I do not like paint just don't like it. I'm I'm where you are. I don't get great results with it. It's something I haven't put enough time in uh, with it to to get really good. So you can get good results. I just don't. So I try to avoid it at all costs. So when I have to paint something or do something that has kind of the appearance of paint, I do, I, I basically do what you're sort of hinting at is going with some kind of a tinted lacquer. And if you put pigment into lacquer, you can get this sort of painted effect but you really have the joy of using lacquer because now you could sand between coats. Once you get the the build that you're looking for, you could then clear coat it with the same material so it's all very compatible. And I just find it so much easier to work with. And I've done a few, you know, quote unquote painted projects in the past. Uh, And basically um, one of them was like a little kid's chair. This woman wanted refinished and she wanted it painted pure white. So I basically got white UTC pigment and put a couple tablespoons of that into a a quart of lacquer and mixed it all up. You got to keep mixing it because it's pigment. It's going to settle out Uh, and just kept spraying layers and layers. And it would build up this very rich, thick, almost piano style finish. And then you could top coat it to protect the color layers. So that would be my recommendation. It sounds like what you're wanting to do. So go, I would take that route it, it, to me for a woodworker, someone who's used to clear finishes, it's, it's definitely less intimidating and it will behave in a way that you expect it to. So that would be my recommendation. Thank you. <clears> and good night, everyone. <laughs> good. Good. I like that. And did, if you happen to notice how similar the question that you're answering, and the question I'm answering are, <laughs> I didn't even look at it. Yeah. So Nick oh, says, wow. When painting furniture, it's a little bit different. Do you sand between top coats? Obviously, we need to sand up to the primer. Obviously. I didn't know that was obvious. Also, if you apply apply a polyurethane top layer, uh, do you have to use water-soluble poly 
if you used a water-based paint, uh, for example, latex. So um, as kind of an offshoot to mm-hmm. Billy's question, I actually do have a fair amount of experience painting furniture because my wife loves painted furniture, and so does her whole family. Oh, so Heather. I, uh, I often <laughs> end up painting stuff. Um, what I found is kind of like what Mark is saying, where you go with a clear coat but then add pigment to it. And you'll actually find that there's some really nice pigments out there. Um, Lockwood dyes. I know I've gotten them at uh, Tools for Working Wood. Um, even, um, whatchamacallit, Transtent has some great stuff in in colors. And not just like, you know, walnut or vintage cherry, like red and blue yeah, and Primary green. colors. Um, really intense. Yeah, colors. You know, we learned about them in, in fifth grade, I think, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so well, at least I did. So you can use those to create a, a very almost opaque top-coated finish. Not top-coated. I almost said opaque clear-coat finish. And that doesn't make <laughs> that any doesn't sense. That doesn't make any no sense at all. <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever. Typical wood clear finish, but now it's not. It's opaque, kind of like a tinted lacquer. That works pretty well. I've also heard um, very recently, because we just talked about this on a recent show, that Osmo, um, you can add one of their products – uh, already has some tint to it and you can add quite a bit to that and of course you've got that like wax and hard wax look so you get that nice easily polishable surface and you can add tint to that hmm. but the other thing that works is to take a paint and thin it um, I've had and this is I think where milk paint has gotten a lot of popularity lately because you're mixing yourself so you can change the viscosity of it just by the amount of water you're adding to it um, it re- may require more coats in order to get an opaque look to it, but it lays down really thin. The more dilute it is, the more it's going to kind of self-level, and you're not going to have as much issues with sanding between coats and stuff. So, um, But you can do that with uh, a regular household paint. Um, there are thinners you can buy. You can just use water, um, and you can – that's what I've done when I've sprayed paint before, um, like latex out of the can, just way too thick unless you've got like a – you know, a three-inch needle. I don't know what the size of the needle is. <laughs> a, gar- a garden hose. Yeah, yeah garden hose needle. <laughs> um, so you have to thin that out anyway, and it lays down really, really well. But you absolutely do want to sand between coats. Um, but you don't have to get, like, super aggressive here. I grab 600 grit, and I sand it down, and it's just enough to kind of knock back any fuzzies, knock back any inconsistencies. But if the coat of the the paint, whatever it is, is thinned enough, it's already doing a little bit of leveling anyway. Um, so I equate it to like using a heavier, um, like a non-wipe-on polyurethane. You know, it's definitely going to put on a heavy coat, but it's going to flow out better than your average paint would. Um, mm. That sanding between coats is just enough to kind of mellow out any any hard edges or anything like that that you've got but i do find the most important thing is to apply that clear coat whatever it is varnish polyurethane whatever over top of the paint because it kind of locks it in it adds a little bit of sheen to the surface and it's a protective coat so if you're like bumping into it you're not scratching the paint or anything like that um yes you could use water-based over top of it i tend to use um, like polyacrylic for that. It's a water-based version. I think it's a Minwax product um, because it's already got a little bit of that, what do they call it, the water white look to it. Mm-hmm. So it, it tends to not affect the color as much as something like a polyurethane, which is going to add a little bit of an amber color to it. But you can do that. You just want to make sure that the paint has cured properly. Um, the oil in the polyurethane is not like it's going to you know, be like 
polarized magnets and jump off the surface, um, it will bond just fine um, because ideally the water has evaporated out of the paint and that's why there's paint, there's pigment left over, right? Because paint is just water borne um, and the, the pigment is just the dirt that's left on the surface until <laughs> the water washes out. That's what it is, right? The color dirt. Just dirt. It's just ground up really fine dirt. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah if, if you've let it dry properly and give it a time to cure, there's no problem with using an oil base over top of it. But just be aware that uh, an oil-based finish, depending on what it is, it may end up changing the color a little bit. So water-based finishes tend to dry a little bit truer to, to color. That's why I stick with water-based. You know, chances are it's going to actually make it look like crap. Like if you like the color that you've achieved with that latex and then you put oil-based uh, finish on top, it's going to look bad. <laughs> like, right. Especially if you did maybe white. It just turns yeah. into a nasty yellow color. <laughs> turns into to old yellow. White. Yeah, it's you know, no longer you know, white. But for that matter, go with a latex or not. Sorry, latex. I just read that a lacquer. Um, when you look at a lot of like um, nice painted furniture, high end painted furniture, they're either using a tinted lacquer or a lot of times because they want the faster build. They're applying spraying on some sort of paint and then doing a top coat of clear lacquer or they did tinted lacquer and then a top coat of clear lacquer over top of that because it's probably cheaper. Um, easier to just use the last couple of coats, you know, because lacquer lacquer's great, lays down really nice, leaves a nice hard surface. It all depends on how you're using it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of abuse it's going to get, but lacquer that stuff is tough, man. Lacquer. So um, make make your life even easier and skip the polyurethane and go with lacquer. And test on scrap. Lacquer. Always test on yeah. scrap with this stuff. Always test. Alright, so we got a voicemail question here from Jay regarding uh, choices for... Um, Rabbiting, best tools for rabbiting. Hi guys, my name is Jay Abramovitz. I'm relatively new to hand tool woodworking, and the next step in my journey is rabbiting. I'm currently looking at projects with smaller scale rabbits, but I hope to one day move up to larger casework. I'm trying to decide whether to go with the Lee Nielsen 140 skew block plane or the Veritas skew rabbit plane. It seems like the Lee Nielsen would be able to multitask as a regular block plane, which I don't currently own in addition to covering some basic rabbiting tasks. The downside is that it doesn't have as much heft as the Veritas, is trickier to set up, and it doesn't have a depth stop. On the other hand, the Veritas would handle any scale rabbiting task, but is a one-trick pony. Any advice? And thank you for your terrific show and everything you guys do for the woodworking community. All right. Who wants to take that? Uh, This seems like it's for you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I, I can take this, but he may not like my answer. Um, <laughs> it's it's super secret option number three. Neither of those planes. Um, I, I'll caveat that by saying both of those planes would work fine if you know you put a gun to my head and said pick one. I would go with a Lee Nielsen because of the utility and because the Veritas Skew Rabbit plane is just finicky. Um, it can be a little bit of a pain to set up. Um, the first thing I will tell you, which leads to option number three, is depth stops on planes like this are a suggestion um there are so you can set a depth stop and there are so many ways that you can go deeper than the depth stop there's so many um technique issues the way you hold the plane the way you like whether you do a plane pinky out or pinky down you can change the depth of that you can so if you're relying on the depth stop to tell you stop now you're at a quarter of an inch 
I guarantee you, you could still manage to get a shaving. If you try hard enough, you could still get a shaving. And if you check out, you'll end up going deeper than that. So I use the depth stop merely as a suggestion. It tells me, you know, you can see as I'm planing, is there a gap between the depth stop and my board? And, you know, you, you plane, you can kind of check out until that gap starts to disappear. And then you can start to pay attention. You can, as you get more experience with these planes, you can start to feel that depth stop a little bit better, learn how to kind of tweak your hands a little bit so the depth stop is riding properly. But even then, you can still manage to go below those. Router planes are the same way. It's So don't put so much emphasis on whether or not it has a depth stop or not, because it's not a silver bullet solution for you. So what I actually recommend, and especially if you're just getting into this, is go with a good old-fashioned rabbit, a wooden rabbit plane. Those standard side escapement planes, you can find them on eBay, find them in antique stores. Go to hyperkitten.com to Josh Clark, email him. He's probably got seven of them. Um, and you can, they're, they're stupid simple. It's a blade, a wedge, and a block of wood. Um, and they are so much easier to learn to use because they're taller. Um, the little higher center of gravity of them allows you to make a much squarer rabbit. And that's really the drawback of the Lee Nielsen block plane because it's such a low profile plane. Often people end up with slanted a slanted floor to that. The plane itself is wider than most of the rabbits you're going to cut. So invariably you end up slanting down and out. Uh, the Veritas can be the same way. You also find that with rabbits, the fence, the depth stop, all the other stuff just kind of gets in the way. With a wooden rabbit plane and a marking gauge, you can put a marking line on a board. You can tilt that wooden rabbit plane so just the corner of the blade is riding in the knife line, and you can start that rabbit with no fence at all. Um, it's super fast and easy to do, um, and it's it just... To me, it's a more ergonomic. It, it, it makes a lot more sense than all of the other stuff that's gone into some of these other planes, and it's a heck of a lot faster to do it. Um, and the reason I say this is most of those planes can be had for like $20, $30. Um, I've bought them for cheaper than that that have required a little bit more restoration. But um, I guarantee you, if you, if you contact a, one of the reputable dealers, like I said with Josh Clark or Jim Bodie Tools, um, uh, there's a bunch more and they're all eluding me right now. Um, but you can get one that doesn't even need any restoration work. Maybe just needs a little bit of sharpening. And it's, it's just so much easier because there's just fewer moving parts. And if you decide, okay, this is kind of good, you know, I want to maybe step up my game and add an offense, you know, cause the Veritas plane adds more functionality with some other things, the Lee Nielsen block plane, likewise, but that's a higher sticker price on those, right? You know, it'd be a lot easier to jump into this for $20, $30. Um, if you really want to see how this is done, um, I've got like three videos on my YouTube channel just on making rabbits with these planes. And I can show you, you can see how I do it with a knife line and a wooden rabbit plane. Uh, it's just, to, to put it this way, I don't even use those other planes anymore. I have both of them and they don't get used anymore in favor of the wooden rabbit plane. It's simpler and easier to use. Cool. Sounds good. Cheaper. All right. Well, speaking of hand tools, we're going to keep this uh, hand tool train moving here. More paint. <laughs> That's definitely more paint. <laughs> Yay, paint. Uh, so Ben A- Aken- Akenborg, he loves when I do that. Uh, he says, <laughs> what are your favorite hand tools? I put together a set of four RU rasps. Uh, they are quickly becoming one of my favorite tools to use simply for the ease of use. You never need to worry about if your blade is sharpened at the right angle. They just work. Uh, I also truly enjoy my low angle jack and am becoming a better user of it, but these rasps have totally changed my viewpoint on hand shaping things. This is a very general question. Um, 
Favorite hand tools, Matt. What's your favorite? Ah, oh, there's just so many. <laughs> so hard to choose. Well, it's gonna it's gonna be harder for Shannon. I think he's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I'm thinking probably like card scrapers and chisels. Can we have two? Sure, it's sure. Plural, yeah. Right? yeah, you can hand go tools. with the couple. Yeah, I'm gonna go card scrapers and chisels. I think. Okay. I think because I, I use those things like the most, and they're very, very versatile. Mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. use them for a lot of things, and they're both kind of like freehand tools. So you can be, you can play pretty fast and loose with them, or you can be a little more precise. Loosey goosey, yeah, yeah loosey goosey style. I don't know. I just, and I think <clears throat> especially with chisels, like those, are, those are some really powerful tools that take some actual like muscle memory and dactility to use them properly. And I think being able to train yourself and your body to be able to use those well is kind of a fun skill to learn and acquire over time. Did you just make up dactility? a word? Dactylily? 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 I thought he said dactylily. Dactylily. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just making stuff up, Matt. This, is show, this, show, is all, this show is about facts, man. I you thought it was like a make it up and... Don't worry about you it. You can't just make up dactylilies. <laughs> 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 oh man! Um, you know, for me, the funny thing is, I, I, my whole this whole hybrid woodworking thing is actually just get rid of the hand tools I hate, only keep the ones I like, and find other ways to do the other stuff with power tools. All right, so all of pretty much all of the hand tools that I have in my shop are ones that I find enjoyable to use. So, you know, he mentioned some of them. The the rasps are great. I like my low-angle jack. Love chisels. I enjoy using them. Uh, you know, some of my hand saws are fun to play with. Uh, but if I really don't like the hand tool, it's not going to stay in the shop, and I'm going to find some other way <laughs> to get that job done. It's an optional thing for me, you know? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I, I went through a major – I call it an optimization, but let's just put it what it is, getting rid of stuff. Um, yeah. and you know, if it was one that didn't get a lot of use, it just didn't stay around. Um, if, if asked this question before I answer the last one, I would say my rabbit plane, my wooden rabbit plane, because mm-hmm. it gets used all the time, but we already know that. And Matt took chisels and that's really probably my favorite. So, ah, wow. Mark took chisels too. Yeah, it's true. I did. But Mark's, Mark's totally unoriginal. I'm used to that. Yes. Yeah, so I just, <laughs> I just copy what everyone else does. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, how much do you pay attention to a hybrid woodworker when That's it comes right. to what's your favorite hand tool, right? Anyone who even says that word should be dismissed immediately. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I mean, choosing one, it would probably have to be one of my saws, probably my sash saw. Um, it gets used the most. It's used just about every single day, every single project. Uh, it's the perfect mixture of, like, coarse saw that gets work done fast but also precise enough that i could cut dovetails with it mm-hmm. and it's got a pretty teak handle that i Ooh. sent to mark to have um mark harrell at bad axe <laughs> i was gonna be like i do Different not mark. i do not recall this at all <laughs> I, I don't remember i blacked out so, <laughs> yeah really pressed it would have to be a wooden rabbit plane just in case oh. you know you know they're, they're still listening jay <laughs> best tool for rabbiting it's my favorite but you know my saws got to be saws. Mm-hmm. I got enough saws, so they should be my favorite. You know, I'm going to give a little love to the shoulder plane. I've got the large uh, Veritas shoulder plane. Where went? No, I'm, I'm going again. No, I, I've got the record button in front of me, which means I control. <laughs> now, the, now, the now we're just going to start a fight. You start bringing up those abominations. The <laughs> shoulder plane is fantastic. Shoulder plane's useless. It's so heavy and so like 
beefy and and you gotta have big hands to handle it. It's great. I like it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you guys, Renaissancewoodworker dot com slash shoulder plane, and you'll see my my rant on that. I don't watch your show, so I cannot do that. <laughs> well, actually, this goes. This is actually print. This is an oh, actual blog. Post. You wrote something? What? <laughs> yeah, what? I know. What a waste no of time. One, no one reads that. Definitely, no one's read that. <laughs> it's a better than. Is a shoulder better than a hand? A hand what? plane, shoulder plane. Get it? Nobody. Okay. No. Stupid. That is dumb. Yeah, I know. Stupid. Go go write an article about it. <laughs> Where's um, the elbow plane? The elbow plane. That's what I need. <laughs> need me a good elbow plane. Uh, okay. So John Schmidt, it's our last question we have for today. He says, I guess this is a question for the better person among us and maybe the Harry Giggler since Mark is too busy writing Poops McDomino, a joinery story. Uh, would you recommend, a, this really is all hand tools today, a, a low angle jack plane as the first hand plane to purchase or would some other type of plane be better as the first purchase? Thanks for not quitting yet. So low angle jack. Whoops, hit my phone. Sorry, low angle jack. Uh, first hand plane. What do you think? I hate this question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the answer is it depends because we don't we don't know <laughs> anything about what he wants to do, where he wants to go, and what he already has. Well, here here's the thing. Are you going to be doing all hand tool work? Are you going to be a hybrid guy? Put more succinctly, how will you be milling your boards? Like, if you're going to use machines to mill your boards, then no. A low-angle jack is not the best idea. Buy a smoothing plane. A smoothing plane is going to cut down on sanding. It might not eliminate sanding, but it's also small enough, easy enough to handle. You can do it. You could break edges with it. You can do all kinds of smaller tasks with it, but it will most definitely cut down on sanding and give you really nice surfaces. Low-angle jack could definitely do all that. But it's a bigger plane. It's 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 overkill in many cases. The low angle jack is exactly that. It's a jack of all trades. It can do milling. It can do you know some joinery work. It can do smoothing work. But as a smoother, it's ineffective. It's too long. It it rides over the hills and valleys too much. So if you're milling your boards with a machine and you just want to take those mill marks off, get a smoothing plane. But if you're wanting to do more milling work then absolutely i would say go with a low angle jack it's the best place to start very good i I just kind of took that question and ran no that's fine that's fine (laughs) i I love i love my low angle jack it's it's a fantastic tool it's uh you know for the style of woodworking i do it's it, it serves pretty much all of my needs i very rarely other than my block plane uh, very rarely reach for anything else. Joinery planes and my block plane are, are really about it. Um, so for me personally, it's fantastic. I'm not enamored by it, like, at all. I think I remember I, you saying this. Yeah, I, I got it probably like a year ago. Yeah. Just to see what it was like, mostly. I don't really ever use I don't. I don't like using it, like, at all. I don't like that it doesn't have, like, your lateral and depth adjuster, your it has depth adjust. The lateral adjust, I don't like that. I think you got a bad one if it doesn't have a depth adjust. Yeah. <laughs> you might you... want to send that back. <laughs> they left that part off. That's why you don't like it. It just doesn't it work. It never cuts. You mean the blade's not supposed to be epoxied to the sole? What? <laughs> so wait, can't you just move it back and forth? What's your problem? I, I like having the lever. I'm so, I just, I really like traditional, not true, other, whatever you Oh my gosh, brain. Bevel down. There we go. Oh my gosh. Planes <laughs> with frogs. This is late in the day. Bla- yes, planes with frogs. I like frogs quite a bit. 
I, I especially hate the hand position on the tote. I hate it because really? there's no frog. You put your finger on, your hand's just dangling up in the air. It just feels so unnatural. You and put it's just your, too you, big. You put your well, fingers up on the, the body. It's fine. Or you could even ah, get it. Come on, man. I my index Mark, finger up in the air. Little fingers. Look at his hands. Look at these tiny things. Little fingers. That's right. You tiny hands. I forgot about the tiny hands. <laughs> But I, I'm with I, you, Matt. I get you. The hand, the hand positioning is wrong. Yeah, it feels weird. It's just feels, yeah. I just and for the length of it and the things that I do, I've never wanted more than number four. I've never needed more than number four mm-hmm. for like just taking down like an edge or just a little cleanup work or just about any other task. Uh, I'll reach for number four. Even a block plane, I rarely use those as well. Except now that I have them, I'm like because I'm lazy, I can hold the part and plane at the same time. Yes. Have to like break an edge, edge or something. But otherwise. You could just clamp the work in your vice and just use a number four for anything. Mm-hmm. You could use a block plane for the most part. <clears throat> well, and you know what? To be fair, I probably, if I only had a number four, for the amount of things I do with that plane, I probably would be just as happy with a number four. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I, I don't know, maybe like a low angle smoother. Would You know, like, a, what is it? The Lee Nielsen 62? Something like that? I have one of those. Uh, I do like the the versatility of different blades and different uh, angles of attack. So I do like that low angle aspect, but having a slightly shorter, you know, sole on there probably wouldn't make a huge difference for what I do. Yeah. See, and th- this is the, the evolution side of things. If you're just getting into this, there's something to be said about a, a utilitarian plane that can do a bunch of different stuff. But at, at my point in woodworking, I don't want jack of all trades tools. I want specialized tools. You know, I mm-hmm. want to. I, I get into this question all the time about saws because people are constantly asking about, you know, do I go with this hybrid saw filing? And I'm like, no. If I'm going to saw a tenon, I'm going to use a saw that's specifically designed to cut a tenon, cuts it faster, cuts it more accurately because it's designed to do that. Mm-hmm. If you if you go with a hybrid filing, you're essentially reducing the effectiveness of the tenon cut, and you're trying to stretch it, and make it do more, making it be, you know. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, so it's always a compromise, it, it, right? Exactly. So at my point in woodworking, I, you know, as I said, I optimized my shop so that I have the tools that do really good at the things that I want them to do. And if I want to switch tasks, I go and grab another tool rather than you know trying to stretch my jack plane or whatever it is into doing more. Yeah. So it's just a different phase, a different evolutionary phase <laughs> of woodworking. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think if you're not, not using... not quite walking upright yet. <laughs> you're almost there. Still dragging the knuckles. Still dragging. <laughs> Do you still have a, a tail, or have you reduced down to a coccyx? I had one, but I cut it off with a chisel. That's a good idea. <laughs> you weren't using it anyway, so... Okay, well, I think that just about wraps up the show. Uh, Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info, and we'll get out of here. I'm happy to, Mark. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> if you want to talk to us, it's real easy. Oh. Send us an email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And you, know, you suppose you could type it out there, but we prefer voice memos because we love to hear your lovely voices, especially if you have a radio voice mm-hmm. or, or an accent. Um, and send those via your voice memo app to woodtalkonline at gmail.com or type your question or your what's new update or whatever it is on our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Okay, that's, that's it. I don't need to say any more than that. That's okay. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. We love you all. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>